Hey, everybody, before we get into the show, we have a major earth-shattering massive announcement. Nikki? Yes, it is that time again, Pete Wright. Our monthly planning membership is open for enrollment. GPS stands for Guided Planning Sessions, if you don't know already. We've worked really hard here at Take Control ADHD to provide you with a service that not only gives you ideas and strategies on how to plan your day and your week, but it also provides time and space for you to do the work and not just by yourself, but with others who understand and support you. We meet every Monday and Thursday, and there are three different sessions for each day that you're invited to attend. We are dedicated to making this membership to be one that is transformative in the way you think about planning and taking control of your time and schedule. There are so many benefits to the GPS membership, so please be sure to visit our website at takecontroladhd.com slash GPS. Enrollment is open now through May 8th. Thank you for your time and attention, and I hope to see you soon. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Taking Control, the ADHD podcast on Rash Pixel FM. I'm Pete Wright, and I'm here with Nikki Kinzer. Hello, everyone. Hello, Pete. Hello, Nikki. A happy, a fine, happy day to you. That's right. You too. This is a big day. We have been uh, talking about ADHD in the workplace for many moons now. I think, what is that, a month, month and a half? We've oh, been at talking least. About it's, yeah, lots to talk about. Lots of talk about ADHD at work. And I think from the first time we announced that our guest was coming on as our, our sort of last episode of the series, uh, people have been sending us questions about uh, what it means to be an ADHD entrepreneur. So we are thrilled that our guest is here to talk about just that. This is the right person to share with us the story of being an ADHD entrepreneur. Before we do that, however, head over to TakeControlADHD.com. Get to know us a little bit better. You can listen to the show right there on the website or subscribe to our mailing list, and we'll send you an email each time a new episode is released. You can connect with us on Twitter or Facebook at TakeControlADHD. If you've ever found that this show has uh, connected with you, has helped you live your life with ADHD in a new and wonderful way, we appreciate you visiting Patreon.com slash The ADHD Podcast and supporting the show directly. This is listener-supported podcasting. For a few bucks a month, you can join a tier that would allow you to watch these podcasts as we are recording live, to ask questions directly to our guests during the live show, uh, to take part in the community in a much more uh, robust way. But mostly, it allows you to uh, just sleep well at night, knowing that you are helping to grow the show, helping to allow us to do more things like offering complete transcripts for every single episode going forward. That is a listener-supported project. So thank you to those who are members already, and thank you to those who are considering joining the tribe at patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast. Linda Walker is here. She is a certified ADHD coach, our very favorite people around these parts. <laughs> and uh, she helps adults to overcome their challenges at home and at work. She's the creator. <laughs> She's the creator of the Maximum Productivity Makeover for Creative Geniuses, a training program for adults with ADHD, and the author of, you're going to love this title, With Time to Spare colon, the ultimate guide to peak performance for entrepreneurs, adults, and ADHD and other creative geniuses. 
These are the kinds of titles that make me love that I live with ADHD. <laughs> right? Linda Walker, welcome to the show. Well, thank you so much for having me. Hi, Pete. Hi, Nikki. And hi, everyone. So happy to be here with you guys. Welcome. Well, so yes, I am so curious to know how you got interested in coaching with ADHD entrepreneurs. Because if I'm if I'm correct, it's kind of your niche, right? I mean, this is sort of what you focus on. Absolutely. So like many, uh, many people, my husband, Dwayne, got diagnosed with ADHD after my youngest daughter got diagnosed with ADHD years and years ago. And we tried all kinds of stuff. As a family, we were very dysfunctional because of ADHD and, and being untreated, being undiagnosed and so on. And it was once treatment started that helped a little bit, but really what made a huge difference was the, the coaching. Uh, it impacted us so much. It impacted us as a family, but also the people around us and my husband's co-workers and, and thousands of people today. Dwayne, my, my husband, is the uh, president of the ADD Association. And that inspired me to change. When I, I got tired of uh, drug pushing, I was a drug pusher at some point in my life. <laughs> I used to do uh, pharma sales. I hated that. Um, I used to cry every morning before I left. And uh, I decided uh. I wanted to have an impact on people's lives and uh, decided to change careers and become a coach. Because the word impact that came to me, what came to me was that coach and and what it had done. And of course, being someone who has owned several businesses, I started businesses even as a child. Um, I tend to attract entrepreneurs and professionals and I, I love working with them. So creative programs and, and services that cater to them. That, that whole experience of watching that transition, uh, watching your husband make that transition and your daughter make that transition, the 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 whole idea, like I, I, I spent some time diving into your biography this morning on your website, and you share with such sort of vulnerability that that story. Can you talk a little bit just briefly before we dig into the meat, what it what it's like for you to to be quite so open about your experience with your family and watching your family go through this and, and how that has impacted your work with, let's say, ADHD entrepreneurs? It's really scary being that vulnerable. Definitely something that scares uh, that scared me uh, at the beginning. I was afraid that um, but I, I've got the permission uh, often Dwayne is involved. I, I so. <laughs> His name is everywhere. Exactly. If you haven't noticed. It is. Yes. <laughs> and even my youngest daughter, uh, we've been out for a long time. He was out at work a long, long time ago. He was even, yeah. he and I even uh, were involved in the documentary. But some of the challenges that we had early on, because Dwayne and I have been married almost 36 years now. Um, oh. First of all, we met on a blind date, and, and four weeks later, he asked me to marry him. <laughs> He's very impulsive, <laughs> very impulsive. And oddly enough, I said yes, which was really surprising for me. But um, but after the kids started coming, that's when things started falling apart. You know, we struggled with. Uh, you know, I would ask him to do something, he'd say, "Yeah, yeah, yeah." seemed so intentional, and then he wouldn't do it at work. He struggled, so it meant that. His uh, his work situation was very unstable. He'd leave jobs because he was bored. He'd, he'd change jobs because he had a, an idea that, oh, I'd love to teach. And, and he's gone teaching, even though he doesn't have a clue how to teach. Uh, where we flew all over uh, Canada. We're, we're Canadian. We flew all over Canada or drove all over Canada to 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 go from one job to the next, uh, the stuff that he wanted to do. So it was a, it was a huge challenge. But one of the things that we recognize is that 
having lived it, and, and I don't consider myself as someone who's married to someone who has ADHD. I consider myself a member of an ADHD family. And ADHD mm-hmm. has such a huge impact on all of our lives that we had to we had to take the bull by the horn. Dwayne had a situation at work that for a long time, I thought he didn't want to do any work around the house because he hated doing that stuff. But it was more than that. I, I realized that he completely sabotaged himself without knowing. And as a result, we, uh, you know, we, we, it, it kind of changed the way I saw things. And I became, I became a lot more, uh, I, I had a lot more empathy for what's going mm-hmm. on for him. And as we fought, we fought an awful lot. The only way we were able to manage that was to write to each other. So we would write how we felt, what was going on for us, but no blame, no shame, no nothing like that. And and it took a, it took months for us to solve some of the, the the challenges that came up over and over again. But when we finally realized, almost at the same time, oh my gosh, you're suffering too, because we need. So that's when we decided that's it. We're we're gonna eat craft dinner uh, for the next few months because we had no money. We're going to not talk to anybody who's long distance anymore. We're not gonna have. <laughs> we're gonna cut off cable TV, but we are going to get. We're gonna we're gonna manage this. And it made a huge difference. So. Been married for 36 years, yeah, so uh, it worked. <laughs> yeah, if you had asked me 20 years, if you had asked me 20 years ago, I said, uh, I would have said, I'm not sure that we would have survived. But do, do you ever go back and read those letters? No, they're gone. We've moved so many times with time to But I remember they were very long. They were all very yeah. long and all handwritten because we didn't have a computer at the time. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> and you had to go through each one that uh, I had created these rules. You wrote how you felt, but then you had to read it and make sure how's the other person going to deal with this? How are they going to, because um, everything is perception. Eh? How are they going to perceive sure. it? Is it perceived as an attack? Are they going to understand you better? So that meant rewriting the same letter 500 times before you got it right. So it, it was a, we, we had moments, long periods of time when we didn't speak too much to each other. Wow, That's what great. a journey. And, and yes. yet, here you are uh, uh, turning that into uh, something to really help others. We're very excited to hear about uh, you know you and building this roadmap and the kinds of lessons you've learned and that you're bringing to the table. Can you share with us what this is all about? Well, first of all, as um, when I started my, my business, my seventh adult business, uh, as a coach, I um, I love the whole process of marketing, and I wanted to be a good business person and and market to the right people and give the right information and help people understand what they needed and so on. And so I I was around a lot of entrepreneurs, and I go to conferences for online uh, entrepreneurs, for example, or uh, or conferences just for entrepreneurs in general. And I tell them what I was doing, uh, who I was, and what kind of people I worked with. And I was flabbergasted at the number of people who would say, oh my gosh, I have it. You know, I have ADHD mm-hmm. and, and, or my kid has it. And I suspect it came from me. So that kind of gave me pause. And being around entrepreneurs, I realized that people who had ADHD, entrepreneurs with ADHD, and I call them creative geniuses. I much prefer that term. Um, yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> attention deficit. We know it's not really a deficit. No. You know, there's sometimes when you can hyper-focus and that's a challenge or sometimes it's a, it's a gift. 
And of course, the deficit disorder, ugh, that's so ugly. So I prefer the term creative genius. It's more empowering. And, um, and so the creative geniuses, entrepreneur, had uh, everybody had the same kind of challenges. We know that entrepreneurs in general uh, deal with cash flow issues and marketing and uh, production and promotion and sales and all of this stuff, like everyone else, hiring and, and so on. But ADHD entrepreneurs, creative geniuses, deal with so much more. And I realized these things were problems with lack of focus. That's what they came to see me with. Actually, they didn't know it was lack of focus. They said productivity. I can't, I'm not productive. I want to do things. I don't get it done. Um, they, they struggle with planning and especially around prioritizing. And then they can plan, but then they, uh, they, they tend to struggle with executing. And then finally, of course, there's the whole process of streamlining uh, their businesses. Once they mm -hmm. get to a certain point, some of them actually get to that point. When it's time now, they want to have a little bit of freedom because now they're sleeping at the office and they're spending a whole lot of time working. Now it's time to, to grow and they can't do it because everything's in their head. They can't communicate with people. They, str they, they struggle with creating systems. So I realized that all of these, these three main components seem to be issues that were common to entrepreneurs with ADHD, but not to Joe Schmo who has ADHD. Can I ask you a chicken or the egg question? Yeah. Uh, I, I had a conversation with a, a friend who's and uh, lives with ADHD and entrepreneurialism, and uh, I told him we were doing this this uh, show today, and he says, "You know, that's fascinating." I uh, left many jobs and finally settled on labeling myself as entrepreneur because I had no other choice. Right. I felt like I was unhirable thanks to my ADHD. And I knew there were things I wanted to do in the world, but nobody was going to hire me to do it. So I became an entrepreneur. It's I didn't know how to do it. It's all I had left. Do you run into that kind of sentiment often? Very, very often. People with with ADHD typically go into business, into business, become entrepreneurs, either because they don't fit the corporate mold, uh, maybe because they're not uh, hireable, as your friend called it. Uh, they're struggling with their ADHD so much that they can't seem to, to fit into what they need to do. Or they have so many ideas and they get frustrated with how slowly corporate life works or this idea that we've always done it this way, so we have to continue to do it this way. They want to innovate and so on. But a lot of them also are born entrepreneurs. I, I see it. All, I was surprised at a conference that I went to a few years ago. I asked people, how many of you, they were all entrepreneurs, how many of you have started business as children? And three quarters of the room had their hands up. And the businesses they got involved in were, were, were shocking. You know, some people uh, grew uh, gerbils to, to, uh, uh, to, 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 uh, to, to sell to pet stores. And they, they had all of these amazing businesses. It was surprising, you know. So I think it comes into those three, those three different categories. Sometimes it just can't make it into into the regular world. And as an entrepreneur, the the really cool thing is that once you get to a certain point, you can start delegating your weaknesses. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. You know, and hopefully right, you're right, you're right. choosing right. You know, you're choosing a business that you're passionate with. 
Well, mm-hmm. and I think choice is an important word in this whole conversation, right? And that that is the sentiment that I walk away from talking with other entrepreneurs, curious your experience, that finally I feel like I have choices with how I, I use my time and what I build. When I was working for somebody, I was unsuccessful because I felt like I was trapped. I had no choice. Absolutely. And that's that's a major challenge. They're, they're told what to do day in and day out. It gets boring after a while when you're always doing right. and and, and of course, um, if they're not treated, if they're struggling with their ADHD at work, they're working so many more hours than most of the people at work. And they're, they're usually doing it, you know, hidden. They hide their, mm-hmm. the fact that they're struggling. They work longer hours. They're there till the cleaners close the, the, the office doors. They take work at home. They work in the weekends just to try to catch up. And so a lot of them end up with burnout. And surprisingly, Usually people who burn out, burn out once, but ADHDers burn out more than once because they, unless yeah. they treat the problem, they're always going to have these types of challenges. But you're right. Choice is a huge thing. Every job has good stuff that you love to do, hopefully, and stuff that you don't like to do, but you're stuck having to do both, no matter what. Mm-hmm. Well, and going back to focus, we had several questions around focus uh, because there is this fear of, procrastination and I'm not going to do what needs to get done because it's not shiny enough, you know? Um, so I'm curious, how, what is this first part? I mean, I, I'm sure you're going to go through each one, but the focus, like how, how can you, what would you say to somebody who is fearing that they can even be an entrepreneur because they know that their focus is all over the place? Yeah. So one thing that I think most, most ADHDers are not necessarily aware of is that Depending on how they treat their brain, um, they can focus very well. And they actually have certain patterns of, of energy throughout their day, of mental energy. So a lot of entrepreneurs or actually a lot of ADHDers tell me, oh, I, I hyper-focus I hyper when I do this at a certain time in the day. And this particular thing is usually something that interests them or that requires uh, a fair bit of mental energy. Um, so you, you have these three different types of, I, I call them, there's three of them, there may be more of them, but there's three that I, I focus on. There's a genius zone when you can focus really well. And they these periods, there's one or two in a day, come in every day at exactly around the same time. I'll say exactly the same time, depending on how well you protect your brain. There's the kinetic zone. ADHDers at some point get to the point where their brains are, are constantly churning new ideas. They feel like they have to move. They, they, they're, more, they're more likely to, to multitask. And then there's a recharge zone when they're so white. And all of us get white. But the difference between the genius zone and the recharge zone for most people is like this. But for ADHDers, it's like this. And if you force yourself during this, this period of great fatigue, Often after lunch right now, for example, here in Montreal, <laughs> mm-hmm. um, you, you don't focus as well. So as a result, if, you can't, if you're trying to do a task that requires a lot of focus at a time when you can't, because you don't recognize your own energy patterns, you are going to struggle. You're going to try to do that task and you're going to try to force yourself and it's not going to work and you're going to end up moving on to something else without even realizing and you procrastinate and then you feel bad about it. And then you try it again and again and until until you either figure out the perfect time for you to do that particular task or you do it at the last minute when you're using adrenaline to catch yourself, you know, to, to get yourself going, you're, str- you're going to struggle. So 
part of the process of this this focus is to first identify your energy patterns, your particular energy patterns, because they're different for each person. How do you do that? Do you have any exercises or sort of a protocol to help people uh, like tune into their zones? I, I find, and I think some of the questions indicate that often we're just out of touch enough, sort of from a sensate perspective, that we don't even know like when, what is this? Is this when I should be working? Maybe I'm, you know, it's that it's the old saw, right? As soon as you think about going to sleep, you can't go to sleep. Um, so if I'm thinking, oh gosh, it's now should I be working and I'll never get anything done because I'll just spin on that. I see a lot of clients too that feel that should. I should be working from eight to five or I should yeah. be doing this. And they're not giving themselves the freedom to work in the evening if that's best for them. Yeah, absolutely. And I've had clients who actually own stores that they open at specific times in the day specifically as a result of that. And if clients want to see them at other times, they have to call and make an appointment because they don't normally open the store during those the hours when they can't. So I think that's one of the the, the major flexibility that comes with owning your own business. But uh, so, so there are a number of exercises. I actually put together on the, I used to on a yearly, on a yearly basis, I stopped for two years because I was exhausted and I'm starting again in March, uh, early March, I'm going to be giving a, a three-part workshop exactly on this. It's a free workshop that people can oh, sign okay. up for. Oh, good. Um, but what I, uh, there are a number of exercises that we do in the, in the Focus to Freedom program, which is that first layer that we work on. And one of them is to determine, okay, what are some of the indicators? Because there are certain things that you're probably doing when you're not working that indicate when are you better focused. Um, the other thing is to, to, to determine what is a task that requires a fair bit of focus and try it at different times of the day and see what happens if you, you make sure that everything else is, is uh, taken care of. So for example, uh, if I have to make sure that I don't get um, disturbed during that period of time. So I, I, I'll focus on, I'll try to focus on particular, let's say writing or reading something really complex or analyzing data that requires mental energy for a long period of time. And when you try that at different times of the day, the only time you're going to be able to do it with any length of time for any length of time is during that period when you can focus. So you, we start by first determining uh, what is what are your genius zones? And then we start poking in and looking at the recharge zones because they're, they're the next one that's easy to or easier to find. But you, you cannot focus on tasks that require a lot of focus when you're in kinetic or recharge. So as soon as you can't focus, that's it. Fascinating. Okay, so I feel like I interrupted you uh, uh, with, with that question. You were talking about the, um, uh, the roadmap and we got, sidetracked on zones where do you want to pick up as i as i got to know more and more entrepreneurs and and as i said as, as i mentioned i've been working i've been coaching since 2004 so i've met all of my you know a ton of, well i won't say a ton i don't know how much they weigh but certainly a large number <laughs> of years and realize that they they struggle with these three pieces especially and so and then when we tried sometimes they come and they say well i want to work on planning and we try to plan but they would try to execute and they couldn't execute because they, they hadn't figured out one, one thing that was missing is when was the best time to do things. They were just treating every hour like every other hour. And time management mm -hmm. 
traditional time management is set up for neurotypicals, not for ADHD years. It treats every hour like every other hour. Uh, you have all of these really strange rules that don't work for ADHD. And uh, and so understanding these that, that planning is something that you need to do, but only after you've started you've learned to focus is one one thing that I that, that's in that roadmap. The roadmap has a specific way of moving. You start with the, the the base and to focus better you may have to manage with ADHD friendly strategies you, you know, especially if you're not taking care of yourself you may have to deal with um, managing other people how do I manage the people around me you may have to deal with uh, then managing yourself your distractions your tendency to to jump so that's one one thing that we need to do in the focus period until you can finally figure out what your focus uh, when your your three zones are and then determining what are the best tasks to do at the best time so the planning interests me because in one of the you had sent us sort of an outline of what this looks like. And you said the very first bullet point is to do lists don't work. Please expand on that. <laughs> I knew you were going to ask about that because everybody tells you to do to use a to do list. Right. So ADHDers uh, don't have a to do list typically. They have a to do book. That's very true. Um, yeah, they start off with a to-do list or they have 500 little to-do lists all over the place. And what happens is that they they accumulate all of these tasks that they don't get to do because the task or ma- the, the, the to-do list is, is missing a whole bunch of, of information, first of all. Mm-hmm. It's missing when's the best time to do it, what's more crucial, what's more critical. There's tasks in there that are nice to do, others that are critical to what you're doing right now, others that are really critical to something you you need to do later in, in six months from now. So this this list, as soon as you have two minutes and you say, oh, well, I have an hour, let's say. I have a cancellation from a, a client. What can I do? You start reading through the to-do list and now you have to prioritize from mm-hmm. one task to the next. And a client, one of my first clients came to me with 684 tasks on her to-do list. Wow. And, when, and she said, I have no idea what to do when a client cancels on me and I have some time to go through some, some of this mm-hmm. stuff. She says, by the time I get through the list and I try to make a decision, the time's up. So, yeah. uh, so that's very common, very, very, uh, very challenging. So I don't use a to-do list. And a lot of people say, why do you use them? So mm-hmm. it starts really first by being clear on what you want to achieve in your life, what's important to you. And then what are the projects that that are going to bring you to that. Now that means possibly having to park some projects because instead of prioritizing tasks, you're going to prioritize projects. So the to-do list is is undoubtedly the worst invention in the world for an ADHD year. And you really need to to, to work in a different way with a priority list, something that's more. Uh, I, I really like what you're saying though, because that makes sense. You're, you're prioritizing the projects first. You're then putting aside some of those projects. Then you can really start focusing on the ones that, that need your attention and uh, start breaking it down that way rather than trying to work on everything all at once. 
It, it gets to actually one of the questions that a listener had written in with, which is, as an entrepreneur, how do you focus on the 20% of activities that get to the 80% of your results? What what do you do to focus on the most important but not urgent tasks? And so I, I struggle with it because personally, one of my great accommodations, and I would call it a success that I've had with ADHD, is building a, not I would just, not a to-do list, but a to-do system that allows me to to attach the stuff that you say is missing, like the time and the prioritization and and just being able to focus. I don't actually prioritize tasks that much, but like flags and all that. I don't do that. But I, I live in a system that reminds me when I have obligations to others, client billable type stuff, I have to get those done and I have to get them done on a time. Those are the 80% of results tasks for me. So I'm curious how you coach through that. Like when you have an entrepreneur who has obligations to others, to clients, to, you know, uh, you know, other parties as they build this business, how do they find a way into a system that allows them to get their work done if we're not going to call it a to-do system? Well, one of them is, is creating routines. I know I, I won't. Okay. I'll, I'll change routines to rituals <laughs> and okay, systems. Like okay. Cause routines okay. like most ADHDers think it's, it's a terrible word. But it's creating these rituals so that you're not reinventing the wheel every time. And at some point, billing your clients is something that could be delegated. Uh, I don't bill my clients directly. I have someone who does that for me now. I used to do it myself when I first started. But you start off by creating systems to, to streamline your business so that you're not, first of all, you're not spending, you're not reinventing the wheel every time you're doing it. And you have a, a specific way of, of going through it so it's fast. But at the same time, by documenting how you do it, you can then delegate it to somebody else so that you can move to the things that you yourself are better at. I often have, I have my clients, when they first start with me, putting three different buckets. One is the, ta- one is the bucket where all of the tasks that, that you yourself are the best person to do, either because it's a strength, it's a passion, or as the entrepreneur, as the CEO of this business, you are the person who needs to be doing that. You know, vision of the business is your purview. You're the one who's who needs to set that vision. Um, determining what projects are going to be going and what, what we are going to do, that is your that that is your purview. You can't delegate it to a, a consultant, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that's the first bucket. The second bucket are, are things that you do, you can do, you're able to do yourself, but that really could be delegated to somebody else. So you, you want to list all those things. And the last one is anything that you do that you hate doing, that you procrastinate doing because you really don't like doing it. And that is the first bucket that needs to be delegated. And a lot of people say, but I don't have money to delegate. I did the same thing as an entrepreneur myself. I don't have money to delegate. Well, the first time I delegated some of these tasks that I had in my, it was mostly admin stuff, to a virtual assistant that I paid 10 hours a month, I was surprised at how, first of all, it was so worth it. The money was so worth it because it liberated me to, uh, to actually do other stuff. And it wasn't just 10 hours that I liberated because she's a lot better at doing some of these things than I am, number one. So it might take her half the time or a quarter of the time, but it also liberates all of, liberates me from all of the, oh, I, I should be doing that. And, oh, I need to do it. And, you know, you try to coax yourself into doing something you hate doing. And, and so, yes, there are things that you have to do, but you don't want to run your business so that 
others are running your life. You're, that's not what you signed up for. You didn't sign up to be, again, working for other people. You're working for yourself. You need to, at some point, take control of some of those, those projects. And if it means that at the beginning you take on one project that, that's for growth, then that's what you start with. But you, you want to start working on moving those, pro- those, those systems into somebody else's hands. I just want to add about the virtual assistant. I think it's really, that is something that's really scary. And I know it was scary for me too, as an entrepreneur myself, of being able to say, I'm going to, I'm going to give up this income and give it to somebody else. And, but I'll tell you, for me as well as it sounds like for you, Linda, it was life changing. I mean, it changes your business because then you are able to focus on what you need to focus. And I had somebody mentor me that says, you know, when you're hiring your virtual assistant, this is very similar to what you just said with the three buckets. What are the three things that you have to do? And then what is everything else that they can do? And so, you know, as a coach, well, I do the coaching. I do the podcasting and uh, the vision, right, of where you want the company to go. But like you said, billing, getting back to inquiries, all of these things can be done with a virtual assistant. So it's kind of jumping. I guess it's a it's a um, it's a fate. It's it's a matter of faith that I'm going to be able to do this. This is going to help me, and it's going to pay off at the end. And uh, and it really does. And it also prevents burnout, right? I mean, we were talking about burnout earlier. As an entrepreneur, you can't do everything. You know, as much as you want to, and you want to save costs, it it's. I just don't see that as being a road to success. You you have to be able to figure out what you're good at and hire and delegate the rest to somebody else. Absolutely. And I hire people who are good at what I'm not good at. So right. um, I make sure that even my, 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 my first virtual assistant, and she's still working for me, was good in a, an administrative stuff, but she was brilliant with technology and she loves technology. So most of the work I delegate to her now is mostly technology driven. And I have another assistant who does, who's good at administration. And then she does the administrative work. So that's one thing. And, and when you think about it, if you're, if you're, let's say, let's say you're charging $70 an hour for your work. If you're paying somebody $40 an hour to do the same work at half the time, now you've liberated yourself to make much more money than than you did. So it, it's it's an investment. However, it is an investment in time at the beginning. Some virtual assistants require more help at the beginning and you need to learn to communicate. It's part of the reason why that last layer, that streamline, uh, in streamline, we talked the, the, the third layer of, so we, we talk about focus, then planning, then streamline. That third layer is about scaling and scaling means you now have to communicate to people. And that can be a challenge for a lot of entrepreneurs with ADHD because they have everything in their head, their plans in their head. And that's why the other two pieces have to come in first. You have to learn to plan so that you can you can delegate and communicate what you need. So. It's all such a satisfying sort of exploration of leverage, right? I mean, right. What, what you can do to leverage others other experts time to free your own yeah absolutely Sorry, Nikki, go ahead. and do more of the things that you you uh, you're good yeah. at and and change more people's lives in the in the process you know i i coach with many more people and uh with uh, and have a bigger impact on people i don't just coach i also offer training and group coaching 
So I, I can impact so many more people by liberating my time to be able to work with them and having somebody else who's much better than I am doing something else, uh, doing the stuff that I'm not so good at, or even the stuff that I can do myself. Uh, I, I, I can do my own bookkeeping. I used to own a bookkeeping business. It's one of the first businesses I started as a uh, as an adult. Uh, but should I be doing it? No because I, I can use that time for other stuff. So I have a, I want to, we're going to go backwards a little bit to the planning again. No, <laughs> we're going to go back and forth a little bit. <laughs> uh, so the ritual. So I'm just curious, because I know there's probably a lot of people out there listening and wondering, okay, again, I, I know we're getting hung up on if it's not a to-do list, then how do I structure my day? How do I know what I need to do when I go into the office that day? What are your thoughts around that? So I, I look at ADHDers as, as big picture thinkers. They tend to be big picture thinkers. It's one of, their, the, one of the qualities that makes them very uh, suitable for entrepreneurship. Um, so looking at your business from a big picture view instead of looking at a to-do, which is really a minutiae way to deal with things, it's really detail-oriented. You look at where uh, what projects are going to be working on. And from there, you determine once a week, you sit down and you look at all your projects. Okay, how are we doing with all these projects? And determining, okay, what are the next things that need to happen? Now, all these projects, by the way, is three to five. It's not 25 projects. Three to five projects that you're managing and, uh, or you may delegate some, that's fine, but three to five that you are managing yourself. And then determining each one, in each one, what are the tasks that need to be done next? What are the, the critical tasks that need to be done next? And you put, you do have a list. I call that the priority list, but it's a weekly list. And that weekly list then gets spotted in your agenda. And depending on how fast your business runs, you may need to review it on a regular, on a daily basis and say, okay, where am I at with the tasks that I, I determined I needed to do in my agenda? Um, and of course, when you're, putting them in your agenda, you're putting them based on your own energy patterns and the requirements of that task. So it makes, so you have a to-do list, a, a priority list for a few minutes after you start planning your projects. And then all of that is plotted into your agenda. That's really from big picture and you're constantly moving down. Mm -hmm. And I, I love that. Something that I call it, which is similar to what you're talking about, is that it's intentional planning. Absolutely. It's just being very intentional with your with your uh, work and, and what needs to be done. I like it. Priority list. And that, well, I, I and can that work gets with that. that. <laughs> I'm I'm satisfied now. I struggled because like I can't what what I I couldn't make the leap from like I know what I have to do. Where do I write it if it's not on a list somewhere? And and so for me, uh I I don't I can't do to-do lists, but I absolutely block my time for the work that I need to do with specific mm -hmm. intention on what that work needs to come. You're very good from at that. To do yeah. it. If I just <laughs> if I just start making lists, I'm in real trouble. Like I'm it's it's gonna disappear. But uh but again, that that sort of work box, we call it the work box around these projects. It's not an inbox, it's a work box. Where are you intentionally putting the work and the time to achieve it, yeah. uh to accomplish it? That's absolutely that's, and that's and compartmentalizing different types yeah. of tasks. So, so there are ways yeah. that you can improve on the workflow and uh, to, to reduce that kind of uh, challenge. Well, this gets back to you were talking about finding those zones, right? Like figuring out where those zones
zones are. And I, I, this was some years ago. We did a uh, the the ideal calendar exercise on this show, right? Where we said, like, if I got rid of all of my obligations. Where would I be? I should build a calendar and put all the times on forever. I mean, I'm sleeping, I'm eating, I'm with family, I'm doing, I mean, everything is represented. There's no minute that is not structured. And then overlay that my real life. And it's a disaster. I mean, it's a horror show. (laughs) (laughs) So like this, this really gets, gets back into that frame of like finding those zones. Like my ideal calendar should represent like here are two hours every day where I know I'm most focused. And then also recognizing that I drive carpools and swim teams and all kinds of things that I really enjoy doing. That is like the most important part is being a part of the family, taking an active role. I have to make trades, right? I, I know that I have to make trades. Uh, but all of that, I, sh- I should be able to represent once I go through that exercise we talked about earlier, figuring out when I'm best at what I'm best at. Yep, totally. And then yeah. if, if, well, if, if you're listening to this before March 2020, you'll be able to, yeah. to jump into this particular yes. job. <laughs> right. And they will. So we'll have to make sure we have a link to that yep. so yep. that people link can see. Absolutely. So I have a couple more questions from listeners that yep. came in. Um, and one goes back to that balance, right? So there's this guilt when you're working on your business and you're not focusing on home. And then there's this guilt when you're at home, but you're thinking about your business. And especially for people like that, like Pete and I, we work from home. And so it is really easy to step into my office and forget that three hours goes by on a Saturday. How, what is your um, approach or how do you work with clients to balance that when they're, when they're an entrepreneur? That's a really challenging thing. I I always laugh at people who say, oh, you're so lucky. You own your own business. You could choose your time the way, yeah, from midnight to five o'clock in the morning is pretty much it, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Both of us work so hard, especially at the beginning. When you first start your business, you're working so many hours. And and if you're passionate about what you do, it's it's really a challenge to to step away from that. I I had to create um, uh, what I call a time map. It's kind of a, it's almost like time blocking or you, you kind mm-hmm. of create these pockets of time in your day when you are, that work for you and you don't do it necessarily because it's five o'clock, but there's periods in the day and say, you know what, I, if I try to work during that time, I'm not very productive or this is a time when the family needs me most. And so creating those as non-negotiable periods of your day. You don't book clients during that time. You don't book to- uh, work during that time. And I think it's important also to leave some some free time in your in your uh, calendar because as as amazing as you could be at planning uh, the, at the rate of today's uh, business life, it, things move so fast. And you could be called at the last minute when somebody calls you when you're just about ready to leave, and you take the call and. It, 10 minutes in, you're, you're done and, and you're not done yet. Then, you know, you're supposed to be somewhere else. So being able to, uh, to have these pockets of information or, or of time when you, you free up, they're almost what I would call buffer times that, that would answer your challenge, uh, Peter, of having a disaster when you try to, to put all of these things. It's having mm-hmm. some of those buffer times. I think you need, you need that. And also, you have to recognize that you cannot, your brain cannot function as well as it, as, as it should if you don't take care of it. And taking care mm-hmm. of it means enough sleep. It needs, 
it means exercise. It, need, it means eating well and being around people that cherish you and, and, and feeling good about your life. It also means having time when you decompress. We all need that. And unfortunately, entrepreneurs don't. That's where they cut when, they, when, when things get so, uh, so crazy. So you need right, to learn right. to say no more often, I think. Mm-hmm. That's a really challenge. Setting those boundaries. Yeah. yeah. There's another side to this. If we if we just take that very coin and turn it over um, about not just like planning the work and figuring out when to focus and be productive, but how to, let's say, uh, meter one's enthusiasm uh, and and uh, be able to see projects through to the end. You know, we've, we're getting reports of people who say, how do I how do I not? You know, I, I get very excited up front and I burn real bright and then I get bored and I'm done and I move on to something else. But if this is a, now we're talking about our livelihoods as an entrepreneur. Now it's not just like, oh, it's a project I never finished at work, but I was able to sweep into the drawer and move on to something else. And everybody's fine. It's fine. Don't don't worry about me. I'm fine. Uh, how, do, how do you keep from, from getting so bored? Yeah, it's a really, it's a big challenge. So one thing is, uh, first of all, when you are uh, trying to embark or you're thinking of embarking in a particular project, there's a... Um, there's a, a term that I found that that's a really cool way of of managing, you know, the the tendency for entrepreneurs to get exuberant about a particular idea. It's called WHOOP. It's an acronym for wish. What's your wish? What are the uh, what, what are the, what's the outcome that you're looking for? So you have to be clear on why uh, you want it and what it's going to be like when you get there. So you, you need to be dreaming that. That's a good thing. And I think entrepreneurs with ADHD don't usually struggle to so much with that. They struggle with the next piece, which is the obstacles. There are things, you are somewhere here and you need to move over there at point B. And there's going to be a whole bunch of hurdles along the way. What are those hurdles and what do you need to do to, to make it happen? So that's the, the second O. And then the P is planning for those things. So that's that's one thing that's uh, that's missing. The other thing is recognizing that there are some tasks that are going to be challenging and maybe you need to redesign your tasks, those types of tasks, mm-hmm. so that you make them more interesting. Interesting, smaller, right? Like it could breaking be smaller, it down. Yeah, yeah it could down, be smaller. Yeah. It could be using a body double. It could even ridiculously be- easy for me to get bored with a task that's too big to even think about yeah. starting. Right? Totally. Oh right. gosh, I wow, I need to do something else. <laughs> so in those cases, and- if you break it down into a smaller piece and you use a chronometer, a, a timer, yeah, you time yourself. 30 minutes, I'm going to get it done in 30 minutes. And then you go, you will focus, you get it done. Yeah. And those are the strategies, right, that you have to rely on. You go back to your ADHD toolbox, you look at how can I get started on a project that I'm avoiding? Because that's going to go where that's going to go with you anywhere, whether you're an entrepreneur or you're doing household chores, right? Um, Getting started is the issue. And then getting started. Something in the middle is great because that's where the fun stuff is. But the beginning, starting, and then ending with those little details, the minutia is always a big challenge. Is so hard. Uh, But one thing I really want to emphasizes the why. And I think this is really important for entrepreneurs who aren't really sure yet where they want to take a business and they're still sort of swirling on different ideas. Um, That passion is so important, right? So if you're passionate about something, the chances, yes, you're going to maybe not it's going to be harder to follow through on some of those icky things, but 
for a whole, for the whole, you're going to be in the business because you're going to love what you're doing. And that's what's important, I would think, is, is to encourage people to really zone in on what is your passion? What do you care about? What's your why? What's your outcome? Such an important piece. Absolutely. I think the passion is, is the key. I've had some clients come to me, uh, and, and they decided to go in this particular business because of the money. And it doesn't oh, work. It doesn't does not work. work. They're not interested. They don't like what they do. They don't like their product. They, they don't like even their clients. You're not going to survive. You know, no. you think you're going to make money, but you're not because there's zero passion. And ADHDers are interest-based performers. If you're right. not interested, you don't get those dopamine hits in your brain and you can't stay focused long enough to do it. And you're going to lose your clients anyway. You I mean, you're going to lose your business. So the passion is really important and, and constantly keeping the why in front of you, because if you've got a big, big, big project, it's going to take a while before you get there. You need to break it into smaller uh, milestones and mm-hmm. celebrate each milestone. Another challenge that ADHDers struggle with, they don't celebrate and you need to, because you need those dopamine hits. Right. I had a client who was actually going through um, grad school or uh, yeah, grad school or medical school. He was trying to get, he was going to be a doctor. He was trying to get into medical school. Medical sure. school. Now this is different because he's not an entrepreneur, but what we did is we wanted to have a vision of him being a doctor. So he photoshopped his, his little face in like a doctor's, you know, like a, a, a stock photo of a doctor. And then he bought the little, um, whatever, what is it? I can't, Yes, thank yeah, you. Yeah. And he hung that around the the photo. And that's what he had in front of him the whole entire time. Yeah. And I loved it. I thought, what a great idea, because that really is keeping the vision in front of you of what you're trying to accomplish and actually seeing yourself doing it. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> and and that's, a, that's an important thing. I think the, the the keeping it in front of you, I often have my clients do a collage, like a, the, they assemble pictures of what life will be like, because it's not just all of exactly what you've got. I saw that in the back there. It's not <laughs> just about the business. I think productivity is more than just the business. If you're doing well at work and you're doing bad at home because you're not pulling your weight, you're not doing, you know, things are not good for you. Your life is not great. If you are losing credibility in your social life, it's not great either. So, or in your financial life. So you need to have a, like that big why you need to be able to, to be, to focus on all the things that are important to you. We are human beings and not human doings. And I think as entrepreneurs, I think one, one of the major things that we need to do is work on ourselves because yeah. there's that, there's all those limiting beliefs that, that keep on coming in, that stop us from moving forward. And ADHD years, with their portfolio of, of failures and, and challenges in the past and reprimands often have a huge amount of limiting beliefs and they need to, to constantly work on that. So journaling is a really important piece of it. Mm. Success journal if you need to. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, um, and I love the gratitude journal. It's such an interesting, just as an observation, it's just such an interesting thing when I hear the limiting beliefs that entrepreneurs in my sphere tend to have. They they are all about the work itself, right? They're all about, oh, I can't, you know, the friend I mentioned earlier builds robots, like home assistant robots, like Roomba, but for you know, other things. And, uh, you know, his biggest complaints are uh, historically, I just, you know, it's just all about the 
the the work, the projects, the skills, whatever it is, uh, until he stops and and starts to think about the the ADHD, right? That the soft skills, that that seems to be the stuff that he doesn't talk about, isn't practiced at talking about. And so it gets, he forgets that the skills, the reason he started his own business and became an entrepreneur is because he already has the skills. He knows how to build stinking robots for crying out loud. (laughs) It's it's the stuff that he he hasn't been able to stop to, uh, to be, give himself a little grace and patience and actually think about, you know, taking care of himself. And I think my, my hunch is that, that, um, Others listening are, are probably in that boat. Yeah, I was surprised. I was on a on a call with uh, with a number of other entrepreneurs with Seth Godin. Now, Seth Godin oh, is a yes, well-known yeah, sure. online marketer, and I, I he's an, a raving ADHD. By the way, he came out years ago, um, but he was. Uh, the, the the work that we did it was a it was a very interactive type of of work where we worked in smaller groups and got together uh, afterwards to debrief and what was what came up was the number of people who had imposter syndrome more than eighty five percent of the group had imposter syndrome and it it shocked me because when I was talking to these people if if they didn't tell me they had imposter syndrome like I, I wouldn't have believed that they you did. would never know. It was mm-hmm. just so amazing, and the knowledge that they had, and their poise, and their ability to to. And I know a bunch of them had ADHD. They told me themselves, but but it was uh, it was shocking the number of people. And and so we are told constantly that we're not enough, and we need to shut yeah. that 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 conversation. And we do it by by being good with ourselves by by recognizing our humanity and what we're able to do and what we do well in our successes, as small as they might be from one day to another. And it's okay not to know everything. Exactly. You know, you can say, I don't know, and I'll look into it. Or what do you think? You know, I mean, there's so many different ways to to not feel that pressure, right? Yeah. There's one more question that I want to address, because I think this is also something that a lot of people deal with transitioning from a full-time job to a business that you want to develop, right? So you're not ready to cut the ties of that full-time job because you need the income, but you know you don't want to stay there. What do you say about that? How do you make that transition when there is a risk? I mean, we can't pretend there isn't. Yeah, there's definitely a risk. And that's why right. four out of five businesses fail. You know, they mm-hmm. don't, not all businesses. And, and, but but what we know is that people who try over and over again after a number of businesses start succeeding. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I, I'll usually say is, you know, what's your level of comfort? Do you have something to sit on? How can you downsize as well? Because, you know, you're ready, if you're ready to do it, you, I, I left a job my as a drug pusher, as a farmer, <laughs> where I was making six figures. Yeah, and I was going to go into a job or, or a career or a, a business where I was not going to make that kind of money at the beginning. I, I have, I've invested a lot of money into my business, and so uh, I had to 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 be clear on that. And I ended up working full time 
but making sure that I, I, I had certain times in the, in the week, I didn't have my hobby was working on that business and being intentional. And because I had so little time to do it, oh my gosh, I got so much done during those periods of time because I knew my time was so limited. And if I didn't use that time well, I was going to squander my business opportunity and I wasn't going to make it. So mm-hmm. I, I think it, it, you might need to, to wait before you can make the full leap. Is there any way, for example, at work to to negotiate and have four and work four days instead of five. Right. You know? So there's a number of things that you can do, uh, but it's not easy. It's definitely, you're going to work hard. And entrepreneurs um, have never been known to be lazy or, you know, right. uh, they work really, really hard. And um, like I said, mm-hmm. from midnight to five o'clock in the morning, that's all the time that you've got free. <laughs> right, right. I, I got to add, great. I just feel like uh, it, there is an experience. What you have to look forward to after everything that Linda just said, what you have to look forward to is there will be a moment when you're working hard and you'll look up from whatever it is you're doing and you'll say, oh my God, I have a business and it's it's working. And I I remember when that happened to me. I remember when I felt like I have enough clients to actually feed the family and mm-hmm. not be desperate and not be terrified all the time. And there is nothing I would trade for that moment to have that moment. That is so interesting, Pete, because I had that moment too. I remember driving in the car, yeah. listening to some music, some fun music. And I just remember sitting there thinking, I am really happy. I'm just so happy with everything that, how everything is evolving. And yeah, it is that that's what you want. You want that moment. I would not trade that moment for, for anything either. Even I've been offered a whole bunch of jobs where I would make probably more than I am making right now. I've said no to every one of them because this Mm -hmm. is, you know, once you become an entrepreneur and you're at, you're at it for a while, you don't want to go back. Oh, I'd be the worst employee for anybody (laughs) ever. Oh, I would be too. Please, God, don't hire me for any to work at a business. I would be mad about asking for anything. I'm like, what do you mean I can't go pick up my kid? What? Are you kidding? Yeah, right? (laughs) I'm going. (laughs) No. I'm fired. So surly. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) I'm telling you, Linda Walker, you're amazing. I hope this is not the last time we we can uh, have you on this show. You've you've been just a delight. Thank you so much for your time. It was amazing being with you guys. I really, really enjoyed the conversation and uh, love that. uh, I I love working with entrepreneurs. So I I love the conversation that we've, we've just had. Hopefully, this has inspired people. Yes, inspire people. And we'll make sure that we have the link to your upcoming workshop. Yep. That's fantastic. Uh, Pete, what else? Well, we've got a couple of more questions that we have uh, that have come in through the live chat for folks who are watching this live. And if you were checking out our patreon.com slash the ADHD podcast group, you know what? You'd be able to stick around after what I'm going to say next and hear those questions. Until then, all I can say is thank you everybody for downloading and listening to this show. We appreciate your time and your attention on behalf of Nikki Kinzer and Linda Walker. I'm Pete Wright. We'll catch you next week right here on Taking Control, the ADHD podcast.